in his book, Love Beyond Measure, tells about uh, a doll that his sister had. <clears throat> his sister's name was Barbie, and she uh, got a little special doll one day for Christmas. Her aunt was in Chicago and looked in the, the window at uh, uh, Marshall Fields, uh, department store and picked out this really special doll. Well, Barbie loved the doll. She slept with it and ate with it, and if they didn't watch her, even took a bath with it. And, but it, in time, got very ragged. It had an arm missing, lost a lot of its hair, just had the stuffings knocked out of it. Its name was Pandy. But she didn't love Pandy just because she was beautiful. She loved her when she was beautiful and a good looker, but she loved her also after she became ragged. It was the love that she gave her that made her beautiful. In fact, they were on a, it was just she was part of the family. They were on a trip from Chicago to Canada. <clears throat> and when they were returning home, uh, just come to the Illinois border, they recognized that Pandy wasn't with them. And there was no choice but to turn around and go all the way back to Canada to get her. They rushed in the hotel to the clerk and no Pandy. Run down to the room and no Pandy. Went downstairs to the uh, washing and there was Pandy rolled up in the sheets fixing to be washed to death. And of course... Barbie got her and loved her and cried, and they came home. In time, she grew up and got a boyfriend that her brother said was probably not as attractive as Pandy at that time. <laughs> and, of course, she got married, and, uh, and then, as it would be, she was wrapped in paper, put in a box, and Pandy went in the attic. Well, she had a little daughter, uh, Courtney, and... There was nothing to do, no decision, but to go back to that attic and get Pandy back out to be the doll for her own daughter. But they took the doll and sent it to California to uh, reconstruction surgery. And they have such a place. And uh, they fixed her up, put her arm back, fixed her face. I don't know if lack of suction, I don't know what all, but uh, she was as beautiful as ever. And, uh, and then, of course, the time came when uh, she was put back again. I tell that story to tell you that the love that Barbie had for Pandy was not because of her beauty. Her love is what transformed her into being something special and beautiful. Two great universal truths about that story. The first one is that we're all ragged, all of us. Broken and bent and flawed. And I don't need to convince you of that. You don't have to come here to be convinced of that because you know that. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, we lived on the ragged edge. Part of it is just, it's been done to us, our genes. 
has made certain weaknesses for us, okay? Maybe our parents let us down somewhere, society, the environment, all of that. But that's not the whole story. The rest of the story is that we also have contributed to our own ragged accounts by our choices. That's the first great, but that's not the best part. The raggedness that we all know, the second part that's so true is that God loves rags dolls, and we're his rag dolls. And he loves us with all the love of heaven. And I'll tell you, our raggedness is not the most important thing about us. Even in creation, when God looked down and created, somehow there was something so special about us that made God say, good. <laughs> really good. And there's something that caused the writer of Genesis to write that we were made in the very image of God. There was something about the psalmist writer that wrote that we have honor and glory. And so it was not our raggedness that was the, the great emphasis. It's not our destiny. It is not our reality. And even though we're unloving, we're not unlovable. And I want to tell you, the concept, the that great concept that God loves you is life-changing. It's the greatest power there is for life-changing. You can see, even in the physical world, when someone falls in love or is in love and is loved by someone else, what happens to them? I mean, their whole physical response changes I guess you can see it in the elderly even quicker because the young are just more beautiful. I mean, the, the step increases, the, you stand more alert, the eyes actually dilate and become larger, so it makes them shiner and brighter, the lips become redder, a little larger. All of that physical response takes place automatically by the fact that you're loved. But I want to tell you, when the the kind of love that God has for us, it takes old rag dolls and turns them into treasures and gives that which has no value, value. And when we give that kind of love to each other, the same thing happens. I see it every weekend in my 30-hour seminar on Adventures and Attitudes at the University. Every weekend I see it over and over. Some rag dolls will come in there, have no absolute use for themselves, and through that 30 hours they get complimented and they receive love and they receive encouragement and total unconditional acceptance. And all of a sudden, you can just see their whole countenance change. And that's the kind of love that God had for us. And when He created us, He created us out of love. He didn't create us out of some demand because He had to. It was because He wanted to. And yet, that wasn't the greatest love. The greatest love He had for us was when He loved us when we became unlovable. And he just kept loving us. Listen to Romans chapter 5. You see at just the right time, while we were still powerless, 
Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated, here's the great demonstration. It wasn't in creation. It was, it was when we became unlovely. The great demonstration is His own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And then in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 64 and in verse 9, well, start with verse 6. All of us have become like those who are unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Well, Shiver up like a leaf, and the wind blows us away like our sins. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you've hidden your face from us, and you make us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you're our Father. We're the clay, and you're the potter. We're still the work of your hands. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord, and do not remember our sins forever. Look upon us, we pray, for we are your people, your scattered cities have come to the desert. <laughs> you hear that prayer? You hear that message? You would think from that God would just throw us out and just... But rather He sends us to reconstruction surgery. And it's called the cross. It's where it takes place. Paul said in Galatians, I won't ever boast of anything. There's nothing I'll ever brag about except just the cross of Christ. Earlier it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the cross is to those who aren't being saved. They don't know anything about it. It means nothing. It's useless. But to us who are being saved, it's God's power at work. There's two commands. We've talked about them a hundred times, and we'll talk about them another hundred times. That sums all of this up. Matthew 22, verse 34. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, when you did it unto the least, oh, me. You did it unto me. Love my rag dolls. If you love me, you love my rag dolls. It's a package deal. So God is saying, if you're going to ever get serious about loving me, you have to get serious about loving people. And love my rag dolls. There's a story in Luke chapter 7. And uh, we... Uh, 
we really need to read it. You've read it, but maybe some of you haven't read it recently. You need to hear it. Verse 34, Luke chapter 7. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, and that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Jesus said, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them could pay the money back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one with the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? She came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. And you did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved me much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say to themselves, who is he that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Just from the casual observation, Simon would have been the one that would be easy to love. Just natural. Uh, This woman of a sinful living probably meant she was a prostitute. She had lost her reputation, had lost much of her virtue. Her stuffings had been knocked out. Her name probably was Pandy. It would have been hard for her to come to this occasion. She hadn't been in the company of respectable people in a long time. She heard Jesus was there. She came purposely for that. She bought the perfume purposely for this occasion. And when she got there, I don't know what happened exactly. She's supposed to anoint his head. I don't know. She was 
bowed in submissiveness. I don't know. She was at her feet. Maybe when she looked in his eyes and saw love, the tears flowed. Uh, Maybe she just turned it over. I don't know. But it all happened right there. And uh, the tears and the perfume all mixed together. And respectable Jewish women never let their hair down in public. Oh, she'd let her hair down a lot of times before, but every time it was another scar to the heart, another wound to the soul. But this time when she let it down, it was out of love. She got it right this time. And Simon is sitting there waiting for Jesus to say something. Uh, Maybe a word about morality would be in order. Simon ever did... uh, Well, before we're too hard on Simon, we get real hard on Simon. Can you picture yourself... As one of the guests, how would you felt? And I'm telling you how I would have felt. I'm telling you what my reactions would have been. You know what they would have been. I kind of know what yours would be before we're too hard on Simon. Uh, I mean, she had defied God's holiness. She had wrecked homes. She had been part of sinful living. I mean, how do you gloss over this? And yet the thing that Simon never understood is that when you have authentic repentance, love has already done its thing. Forgiveness is already there. It's already taken place. Simon received little love because he thought he needed little forgiveness. Now think with me. Why wouldn't Simon reason that way? Why wouldn't he have thought that? Compared to her, why wouldn't he have thought that he needed little forgiveness compared to her? And it's easy for us to think the same way. Compared to certain other people, why wouldn't we think? We here at church, we're dressed up, we're nice, we're citizens. We are the backbone of the community. We've got a sense of righteousness. We've we, we got it pretty right here in our faithfulness. Why wouldn't we think? And that gets scary. Because now that means we have little love because we didn't have much to be forgiven of. Our hearts become more unlovable than the sinners. And so Jesus... Forgives, us and forgives her and all the people. Can you imagine how they look? Can you imagine the stares, the glances? And as if Jesus says, yes, she's a rag doll. 
but she's my rag doll. Love me, love my rag dolls. It's a package deal. You can't love me without loving my rag dolls. Well, three things about love. And we close. The first one is that love is for that which it loves. Love is in their corner. Love fights for them. Love cheers when they win and cries when they lose. Love hopes they succeed. Love wishes them well. Jesus says we do this for all people. And I'm humbled by thinking, wow, sometimes I can't even want my friends to succeed. Much less my enemies. Little jealousy. Hmm. The second thing is that love delights in the one being loved. Isaiah 62 says the Lord delights. You're part of the jewels that make up the crown in heaven. The psalmist said, Lord, let me be the apple of your eye. Delighted in the one that's loved. The third thing that love does is it gives to the one that's loved. That's the nature of God. All good gifts come down. God gave. Gave His only Son. It was His entire nature. It's the nature of His people. And giving is to love like eating is to hunger. Giving is love and character. I guess the greatest gift of all is when you give and expect nothing in return. It's the greatest gift. Anne Lamott told a story that she said she knew about. A little boy, he was just eight years old, and his younger sister got leukemia. And uh, she needed a blood transplant. They had him tested, and sure enough, he had a, a match. One of the little fellow didn't understand any what all that blood transfusion meant, but they asked him, would he give his sister his blood? And So they hooked him up to the IV and hooked his sister up. And then when they're through with the process, the doctor comes in, he opens his little eyes and says, how soon till I start to die? <laughs> That's pretty giving. Well, today, God says, let me do reconstructive surgery on you. And change your heart. And make you beautiful. And make you more like me. And that's what he talks about in John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 3. We don't, know, we don't know what we're going to be like, but we're going to be like him. So change us with the surgery. Love me. Love my rag dolls. It's a package deal. And there is a fountain. There's a fountain you can come. 
and get reconstructive surgery. And you can come and say, Jesus, you're going to be my Savior, but I can't save myself. I repent of all of my selfishness and bitterness and anger, my will, my will, and I want to become your will. And I submit to your death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. If you need to come today for that surgery while we stand and sing.